One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. And welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 11 and Libby and Nate are eight. And I have two kids, Jay is five and Kenny is two. They are so adorable. They are. We like to tell a cute story at the beginning of every episode just to get the momming out of the way because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. So Deborah, have your kids done anything cute this week? This is very on point. Libby has been watching some Nick Jr., because she has rediscovered her love for Paw Patrol. And she runs and gets me every time that there is a promo or a preview for Santiago of the Seas, except she calls it San Diego of the Seas, which is really cute. (laughs) Where in the world is Santiago of the Seas? Yes. How about your kids? All right. So as I was just explaining to you off mic, my kids just had a week and some change off school because... Jay's teacher tested positive for COVID. So we did a quarantine at home. Everyone is fine. But the upshot is I was seeing a lot more of my kids than previous. Yeah. (laughs) And in the before times, I had developed sort of a fatalistic attitude towards children's game pieces and just decided that for a period of time, I was never going to have a complete game set of any game. So I would like go a board game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would go to Target and go to their clearance shelf and just sometimes buy whatever stupid game was on clearance for like $2 or whatever. And one of those that has stuck around for a surprisingly long period of time is Fish Feud. Have you ever heard of the game Fish Feud? I have not heard of Fish Feud. Okay, well, it was on clearance for a reason. So the concept of Fish Feud is that you have this cardboard fish mouth, and one person sits on either side of the fish mouth and, like, tries to catapult these little rubbery squid through the fish mouth. But my children decided that they just wanted to do away with the cardboard fish mouth and the catapults, and... I'm not kidding when I say this was their idea. They just want me to sit on one side of the room (laughs) while they go on the other side of the room and behave like ducks in a shooting arcade and just have me pelt them with those rubbery (laughs) squid from across the room. That's all they want. That is hilarious. (laughs) It's been really fun. They've been getting a lot of energy out. And I would be lying if I said I wasn't getting out some internalized aggression. (laughs) (laughs) I love that they want you to throw the squid at them. And at least they're not throwing the squid at you. That's true. Well, sometimes we just all sit really close to one another and just like throw the squid at everybody throws the squid at everybody else. That's fun, too. 
Fish feud. Fish feud. Heartily <laughs> recommend. All right. Well, today in lieu of doing a screen time in the news segment, we were fortunate enough to get a chance to chat with Nikki Lopez, who is the creator of the show we are reviewing today, Nickelodeon Santiago of the Seas. A very quick summary of Santiago before we play the interview, just so you're not totally lost. So Santiago is a preschool show. It's a half-hour animated series about an eight-year-old boy named Santiago and his friends who sail on a magical pirate ship as protectors of their island home, Isla Encanta. We really wanted to grill Nikki about whether she ever thinks of us, the long-suffering grown-ups, when working on her show. So take a listen to what she has to say. Hello. Hi. Hi, good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be here. (laughs) Just to get started with some questions about how the idea for Santiago came along. Increased racial and cultural diversity has been really a welcome trend in children's programming that we've been keeping an eye on for quite some time, obviously. And we're always excited to see a wider range of characters and stories portrayed in the shows that our kids watch. And we wondered whether this was an explicit goal from the outset with Santiago or if it was just like a natural outgrowth from the kinds of stories you wanted to tell. Oh, it was it was absolutely the goal that was front and center at the at the very beginning of 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 the ideation of Santiago of the Seas. When I started to construct the idea back in November 2016, you know, politically it was a very charged time and there was a lot of anger and discrimination out there, right? And it's still pervasive. Um, I wanted to create a show that, that um, how do you say, really highlighted the strength that comes with a diverse community mm-hmm. and how crucial and empowering it is to be inclusive to, to those diverse voices. And the rest is history. (laughs) I wanted to ask too about the language mix because I feel like it comes so organically throughout the plot of the episode, the mix between Spanish and English. And I'm wondering if there's some sort of magic percentage that you use when you're deciding how much Spanish language to include. Yeah, when, as we're writing the script, you know, we also have um, the massive bridge of privilege of having uh, wonderful, wonderful consultants on board. And, and we look into the script and we figure out what are those key moments where we can really highlight the, the interlingualism um, of the show? How do we code switch between English and Spanish in a way that feels organic, in a way that completely avoids Spanglish? <laughs> we we, we want to make sure that we we always do it right and we do it in a way that that's encouraging to little kids that it's not too much but it's also phrases or universal words that they could use routinely in their in their life in their day well i know my five-year-old is definitely spouting off a lot more spanish now than he was before so (laughs) you've got one on board at least (laughs) yes So we wanted to ask what sort of sources you draw from uh, for showcasing Latinx and Caribbean culture in the show. Are there specific movies or visual artists or musical groups or classic stories that you try oh, to include? Hmm. That's an interesting question. <laughs> I mean, 
this is gonna I don't know if this sounds cheesy, but in terms of inspiration, I'm I'm currently back home in Puerto Rico. I always just have like my my photos and I reminisce about my own childhood in Puerto Rico and I feel like that's almost an infinite well where I continue to bring out new ideas and I, I have those visuals embedded in my head of oh this is what I'd like this new setting to look like. Um, but again we with with the right the diverse writers that we have on on board as well as our cultural consultant it's it's this team effort to always find new perspectives and new um, stories to tell explore different mythologies or beliefs of folklore customs of other latino caribbean or Latino um, areas. So how does that work in the script writing process? Do you come up with the plot and then kind of take it whole cloth to the consultants and say, does this work or is this bonkers <laughs> or, or is it more of a collaborative thing from the start? It, it is fairly collaborative. Um, you know, we our, our brainstorming sessions always begin very casual and we're, you know, there's no such thing as bad pitches. If something seems like a bad pitch, I feel like there's always a little nugget there of possibilities that hmm, that's interesting how can we shift it so it can work uh better so um i feel like it always triggers something in in another voice in the room that they're like "Ooh, but what if so that's sort of how it works it's it's all very organic and we just allow it to go wherever we improvise a little bit but but it's it's working out so far so knock on wood continue <laughs> well the bread and butter of our podcast is discussing the grown-ups that watch the show and okay. whether or not shows are entertaining or even just tolerable for the grown-ups consume with their kids because the more research we do the more it tells us that as parents screen time is less dangerous if we consume it with our kids so we're just curious if you ever think of a grown-up audience for your show or if you're just thinking about the kids i'm thinking about the grown-ups the grandparents the older siblings that's that's one particular reason why I wanted the show to look the way it does. I wanted to make sure that it didn't seem plasticky or anything of the sort. Um, for example, our water almost for preschool standards, it looks pretty realistic. And I wanted to make sure that the world felt vibrant and rich in, in its color schemes and its textures. So how can I, how can I make it feel kind of feature like for a preschool TV budget? Um, and, and, you know, hopefully by doing that, we could, you know, lure the parents to sit with their kids and say like, oh, I can, I can deal with this. <laughs> I can tolerate this. <laughs> we try to be inclusive as many ways possible. That includes an age too. <laughs> and we certainly appreciate any and all efforts for sure. <laughs> so Speaking of colors, there were a couple of specific character designs and plot points that caught our eye that we wanted to hear your take on. Sure. So the villains, Bonnie Bones and Enrique, have really brightly colored hair and complicated haircuts compared to the good pirate protagonists. Mm -hmm. Was this a deliberate contrast with the hero's natural hair colors? I, I'll be honest, I have a lot of fun with the creation of villains and I usually seek as an inspiration like 
rock stars or pop artists that I loved growing up. So particularly for for Bonnie Bones, I always thought like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have like a young Latina Cindy Lauper? So that's ah. like, <laughs> that's that's really why how Bonnie Bones came about. So pirate girl just wants to have fun. Uh, <laughs> and then oh, with Enrique, I don't I I love anime too so there was a lot of inspiration from that cool sleek colored hair and you know he's kind of very dapper in his attire so it, it wasn't it wasn't done in a way of like oh yeah well we should make we should make it obvious that the good guys don't tamper with their hair or anything it was just done out of fun <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like the villains are where where i kind of unleash my creativity of all the things that I love. Well, I love the Cindy Lauper reference. I love it, yeah. Do you feel Thank like you, you have more freedom with the villains because there's not so much pressure for kids to see themselves in them? I think I think I feel like I, yes. <laughs> uh I'm going to say yes to that one. <laughs> we have to be a little bit more more precious of our heroes because they they, they were the heroes. They set the example for, for our young viewers. Um, and then with the villains, we can be a little bit more naughty. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a lot of, in our research sessions, we've had a lot of kids that respond so positively to Bonnie. So <laughs> I, I, we're going to have a lot of little kids that are going to want to dye their hairs. Green. The crazy hair color trend is <laughs> already there. So you are <laughs> definitely surfing that wave. <laughs> <laughs> awesome so when bonnie bones this is in episode one fires at santiago's ship like a giant slime ball is that an homage to the 1980s classic you can't do that on television or to nickelodeon history in general nickelodeon yeah whatever we can do to stay on brand to nick <laughs> why not so might as well do it with with our pirate baddie bonnie <laughs> I like that they're continuing the slime trend with this generation of younger kids because it was so present definitely in our childhood growing up between you can't do that on television and double dare. Oh gosh, there was so much desire to be slimed. So. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think I have got, have I gotten, well, I don't know if I would consider it like the proper official Nickelodeon slime, but for interns, I never had the opportunity as an intern to get slimed at Nickelodeon. I, I snuck into a, a later group, intern group's, uh, you know, slime baptism of sorts. But then we find out that that slime would, it was expired. So it, I don't know. <laughs> what does that even mean? It was like kind of kind of stinky. So. <laughs> So I don't feel like it's been a, the official fresh batch of slime. I'm fascinated with the idea that they save the old slime for the interns. They're like, <laughs> oh, the fresh stuff goes to the important people. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they, they generally use the, the, the good slime for, for the shows for like um, Kids' Choice or I don't know if they're still doing it for the game shows. I can't see why they won't do it. But um, even executives who've been at Nickelodeon for the longest time haven't been uh, slimed yet. So oh, wow. it, it's a it's a rarity. <laughs> That's why I, I was like, 
very focused <laughs> to get slimed, but alas. <laughs> well, it was a very welcome sight in the pilot. Made us feel like we were in good yeah. hands. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> More slime to come. <laughs> that takes care of the question list that we had. Is there anything else that you want to bring up as far as what to look forward to with Santiago of the Seas with new episodes coming up? Definitely more new characters, more more fun villains to come, um, a lot of more opportunities to highlight the cultural value of the show, and more music. I, I feel like early on we didn't have as much music, but now we're, we're ramping up to having more musical delicacies in store for little kids and adults to all dance to. <laughs> oh, now you're speaking Deborah's language. She really loves the good music. <laughs> So yeah, I look be forward awesome. to that. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's coming, I promise. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We hope you have a great rest of your day, and we really thank look forward you. to watching many more episodes of Santiago in the future. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was so great. Yeah, so fun. So a little general news. I know you're thinking, listeners, this is episode 100. How are you going to celebrate? And the answer is we're not celebrating this time, not today, because of scheduling guests, life. We're postponing our crowing about 100 episodes for what will technically be our 101st episode. So don't worry, the self-congratulations are coming. We're just spreading them out a bit. I mean, I'm starting the self-congratulations now, but we'll just talk about it more next time. So congratulations to us. 100 is a lot of episodes. I know. We've done a I lot know. of talking. A lot of kids' shows. Well, today we are continuing the talk about Santiago of the Seas. And it premiered last year, October 9th, 2020, on Nick Jr. There are new episodes weekly. The show integrates English and Spanish language while emphasizing Caribbean culture. And it centers on a little boy named Santiago and his friends, a mer girl named Lorelai and his cousin Tomas. His mother is the mayor of the island where they live, and his grandfather is his primary male caregiver. We picked it because it comes on after Paw Patrol, right, Katie? Uh-huh. <laughs> And we're always looking for shows that feature different cultures, and we've reviewed a bunch of movies lately, so it's time for a show, time to showcase that preschool-geared entertainment. Mm -hmm. So we watched episode one, The Legend of Capitan Calavera, episode three, To the Lighthouse and the Golden Giant, and episode eight, Cecilia and the Magic Rubies and Under the Pirate Moon. So we'll go through the episodes one by one and then move on to our more general thoughts. Do you want to summarize Legend of Capitan Calavera? It will not shock you that I did not write down anything for this summary. So <laughs> here we go. Santiago and his friends become the pirate protectors of their island home when they find the lost treasure of former island protector Capitan Calavera and save the treasure from child pirate Bonnie Bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now they have like a magical ship and magical pirate clothes that happen whenever they want to be pirates. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. What did you think of this first episode? I 
was sold on it. I liked it a lot. I thought we just watched the Goonies as a family Mm -hmm. and maybe just because that's so fresh in my mind, it had a Goonies feel to it. Like the kids are on an adventure. There's like a treasure map. There are villains (laughs) who are not the most threatening villains, which is good because it's a preschool show. Um, My kids are always on board for anything with treasure maps. I also compared it a little bit to Dora the Explorer, which is another show that integrated English and Spanish a little bit. And also Dora breaks the fourth wall a lot. Mm-hmm. And Santiago does a little bit, but not in a creepy way. Whereas yeah. Dora addresses the TV audience like, I don't know. She just has a blank stare that's a little creepy. Yes. The dead-eyed Dora stare. And it was definitely (laughs) something I wanted to talk about because, you know, we even did a little bit of reading at the time that we were covering Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Is that what Mm -hmm. the title was? About this concept of the pause in children's programming and particularly in Dora and in programming that was trying to teach a second language, giving the viewing audience a chance to stop and repeat the word Santiago very much does not take this approach. It asks the viewers to repeat the words, but in the context of the story. And I thought it was wildly different and new and as a grown-up, far more engaging, easier to maintain your connection with the story when you're not being abruptly asked to stop and right. say delicioso. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So sorry, that was obviously a long tangent having to do with the pilot, but do you want to go ahead and summarize To the Lighthouse and the Golden Giant? Sure. So in the first part of that episode, Santi and his friends use fireflies to fix a lighthouse. And then in the second half, they put gold back in the sea. Okay, concise. (laughs) <laughs> There's also this huge golden giant that stomps around going, no es mi oro. <laughs> <laughs> and I found him very entertaining, although weirdly, Jay was frightened of him. Like, we've watched all the Santiago episodes, or at least up to the last one we watched, which I think was episode eight. Uh, huh. And he will rewatch them all, except emphatically not the Golden Giant. The Golden Giant freaked him out. I didn't think he was a very scary part, but I'm an adult, so what do I know? Yeah, I would agree. He seemed very friendly, and, you know, he was stomping around, but he would carefully, like, move small animals out of the way so he wouldn't stomp on them. Yeah. I don't know. Before I forget, I need to put in a hearty recommendation for you if your kids liked Goonies, which did they? They did. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's a new movie on Netflix called Finding Ohana. I might actually talk about it when we do our 100th episode celebration, but uh, very, very Goonies vibes with like significantly less of the problematic cultural things that were going on in the 80s. That, we've talked about watching that, and I think now that we've watched Goonies, my kids are more excited about it. Sweet. Okay. Uh, all right. Cecilia and the Magic Rubies and Under the Pirate Moon. So in this set of episodes, we are introduced to a new villain, again, Escarlata, Escarlata la Pirata. 
So we're introduced to Escarlata La Pirata, and she is like a half girl, half squid? Jellyfish. Jellyfish, yeah. In the first segment, she tries to steal all these magic rubies from under the sea, and so she can become, so she can grow and become ruler of the seas. And in the second segment, she turns the moon into a fish because it's a special night where the moon is what they call a pirate moon where it grants wishes so Escarlata thinks if she turns it into a fish and it has to go into the sea then she can get all the wishes this is the first instance we've seen in the episodes we reviewed of the team's underwater adventures which Deborah mentioned up top that Lorelai is a mer girl and she can switch between being a mermaid and being a girl with the help of a magic bracelet. And she can also conjure bubbles that can go over the heads of people on land, sort of like scuba helmets, and allow them to breathe underwater. So the majority of the action takes place underwater in these episodes. Which, what did you think of that? I loved the bubble helmet that lets you go underwater for as long as you want. I wish I had one. <laughs> or a mermaid friend who could make me one. Okay, the thing that got me about this episode, and this is just because it's like negative three degrees <laughs> without wind chill here, and it's going to be for another week. But at the end of the moon episode, Santiago gives his unused wish to his cousin Tomas. And Tomas wishes for snow. And I was just like, seriously? I could just see you like weeping in front of the television. <laughs> you wasted your wish on snow. <laughs> <laughs> but where they are, it's just going to melt. And then it's going to be a beautiful, probably 75 degree day tomorrow. So I get it, Tomas. Fine, Tomas. <laughs> I guess you're a child and you can have irrational wishes. That's fine. <laughs> so do we like the concept? So I definitely told you that pirates are a big hit in my house. I've mentioned mm -hmm. on previous occasions that we frequently listen to the soundtrack of the Pirates of the Caribbean's movies for no reason. But I'm as a grown-up, I'm a little uncomfortable with this idolizing of pirates. Like, pirates are violent criminals. Yeah, at one point, Santiago calls himself a pirate protector, or he says, we are pirate protectors. Mm -hmm. So is he, he's not really a pirate. He's like Coast Guard. Yeah, like they're trying to have all the quote unquote good things about pirates, the cool clothes, the treasure hunts, the treasure mm -hmm. chest full of gold, and the magic ship, and leave aside the bad parts so they refer to themselves as good pirates who always do what's right which fine but like that amount of squaring the circle can't we just tell a story about something other than pirates it also made me think of um oh jake and the neverland pirates something like that mm. i don't know if that's still on i don't know if it's still on either but but pirates do have really cool ensembles mm -hmm. and they have a whole language that is so mm -hmm. attractive too i can see it. i don't know i'm definitely have two minds about it yeah can they call themselves like sea patrol because they're kind of like the ski patrol of the sea i don't know <laughs> i think the paw patrol already has sea patrol oh yeah locked up. <laughs> yeah you're right you're right 
Well, what did you think about the characters in the cast who played them? There were a lot of villains in the three episodes that we watched. Like we experienced a set of three different villains. So it felt a little bit comic booky to me in that way. Definitely my favorite, even though I love the character design of Bunny Bones, but my favorite was Enrique. Because I have a special place in my heart for the villains who are, like, mechanically inclined. And Enrique is always, like, building some contraption to try and steal something. So I like that. Yeah, I really liked the villains. I mean, when we talked to Nikki Lopez, the creator of the show, she she said that that's when her imagination really gets to run wild is with the villains. And you can definitely see that. Like, I was more entertained by the villains than the main characters. Although the other thing she said that really gave me hope was of the trio of main characters, Lorelai, Tomas, and Santiago, Tomas is my favorite because he's the musician, right? His prop is mm-hmm. he carries around a guitar. And Nikki was saying that they are going to plan to have more music moving forward. And the few bits of music that we did here came from Tomas, and it was very sweet. So I guess of the three, he was my favorite. Yeah, I also liked the little creatures. Like they have the little tree frog who's mm-hmm. their pal. And then even the little squid who is Escarlata's. Mm-hmm. Is that Cecilia, sidekick? right? Yes, Cecilia the squid. Yeah, she has like a very squeaky, cute voice. Mm-hmm. Although I have to say, in Paw Patrol fashion, what kind of animals are Bonnie Bones henchmen? Oh, they're cats because cats can never be good. <laughs> of course. Representing Team Cat over here, I still object. <laughs> oh, and speaking of cast, the Bonnie Bones is um, Crow. He's a crow, right? Mm-hmm. Is voiced by John Leguizamo. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since I looked up the cat cast list. What did you think about Santiago's extended family structure? Like you said earlier, we're always looking for shows that represent different cultures and different ways of being. And I like that, first of all, Santiago's mother is in a place of power in the community. Love that. Second of all, we never (laughs) see a father. It's only his grandfather that seems to be the male authority figure in his life, which is a nice representation of, you know, a different family structure. So how about the animation? What are your thoughts? It looks very much like Paw Patrol uh, in the way, the roundness of the character design. Mm -hmm. But as we touched on with Nikki, the water does look really cool, particularly in those scenes where the pirate ship emerges from the water and then the water all sloughs off and you see the pirate ship underneath. Yeah, and the underwater scenes are also really good. I wouldn't say it's like Moana level water animation, but this is the TV budget and it is really good, I thought. Um, I thought that the jellyfish were really inventive. Like Mm. they're like kind of, they kind of look like fireworks or sparklers. I liked those scenes with the jellyfish. (laughs) It's as close as I really want to be to a jellyfish is to see it on screen in cartoon form. Like I don't even want a real image of a jellyfish. The show captures, I think, when a child puts on a costume and they can, you know, kids have such great imaginations and they can really like embody a different persona when they have a costume on. I thought that the animation really captured like going from like real life Santiago to pirate Santiago. It did a good job of 
making that transition to like, this is the imaginary character I'm being right now. I love that perspective. I think that's great. Length and structure. So each episode had two stories in it and they were about 23 minutes, Mm -hmm. except for the pilot. To me, that's pretty perfect for a kid's show. A yeah. preschool show. And it had been so long. Like, we've been slogging through movies. And I don't mean to say they've all been a slog, but, you know, my kids are younger, so it's been harder for me to consume the things we've been watching for the show with them. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice reminder that there are media products that they can sit down and appreciate in their entirety. So you mentioned music a little bit when we were talking about Tomas, because he plays the guitar and is the most musical character. Did you have any other thoughts on the music, the theme song? I like the little Firefly number he sang in the To the Lighthouse episode. And I'm a big fan of the theme song. Again, you get some good integration between the Spanish and the English. I actually did go and watch a Spanish language episode to see whether they similarly integrated any English words in there. They do not. But I think the theme song is plenty catchy. How about you? Yeah, I liked it. It reminded me... um of Shakira's music a little bit just like those Latin beats very catchy so what movie or show for grown-ups does this compare to I have a good pirate movie did you pick (laughs) I did not pick a pirate movie and I think this is gonna blow your mind okay okay so I've watched more episodes of Santiago than you have but at this point as of recording I think there have been maybe 10 so there have not been a ton But we have already seen Santiago and his magic pirate ship. We've seen three different villains, at least in this section of episodes. We've seen underwater episodes. I watched an episode that took place in outer space. I feel like, and a little bit I worry, that they're burning through plot too quickly. (laughs) Like, if episode six takes place in outer space, where do you go from there? So my comparison is going to be Scandal. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, Scandal was on for a long time, but I did stop watching it. Yeah, so did I. But it was a bonkers plot machine. And yes, they always came up with something new, or I assume they did. I missed the last couple seasons, but you always wondered how they were going to do it. I have no doubt that they'll be able to pull it off with Santiago, just like they did with Scandal. But I do have a question mark over my head at this point. That's funny. And just like a pirate protector, Olivia Pope had, let's say, not the clean, squeaky cleanness mm-hmm. yes. moral compass. And you know how they always referred to themselves as white hats? Yeah. What if she just had a little pirate hat that she put on? <laughs> <laughs> I went a little more straightforward. I thought it was a lot like that. Well, it reminded me of the Tom Hanks movie, Captain Phillips. Because mm-hmm. I found the pirates in that movie so... I, I really empathized with the pirates. They were just desperate. They were criminals, but they had really no other choice. Poor pirates. Did you cast the gritty HBO reboot? I was thinking a lot about Dora. Mm-hmm. And the best parts about Dora. So really, mm-hmm. I guess I want a gritty HBO reboot with a grown Santiago played by Michael Pena. I love that. I like I want him to do the whole rave music thing again. I think that'd be great. We've been watching Lupin on Netflix Mm -hmm. and I really like the lead actor from that Omar Sy. So I would cast him as Santiago. And that's another one where he he's a criminal, but he's trying to right some wrongs. Um, I would cast 
as Lorelai, Michaela Cole from I May Destroy You. And then back to Shonda Rhimes. Remember Grey's Anatomy? Do you remember Jackson Avery? Still watching. Still oh, okay. watching. <laughs> but yeah. Is Jackson Avery still on there? He still is, yes. Okay. Well, I would cast Jesse Williams as Tomas because they have like the same eyes. Oh, I'll have to go back and look. Okay. Like the same complexion and the same eyes. Do a side by side. They look really similar. Okay. Was it better when we were kids? I'm going to say no. I don't think we had anything like this when we were kids. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Goonies was the go-to pirate property. We're too old to have been in on the Pirates of the Caribbean. What other pirate stuff was in the air? I guess Peter Pan. Yeah, hello problematic. Mm-hmm. We, recent- <laughs> we recently watched Hook with the boys. And man, those mid-90s Lost Boys are really hard to watch now. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go with you. Better now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. Yeah, my kids love it. I have no problem with it. Other than at some point, I guess I'll have to explain to them that pirates are criminals. But that day is not today. Yeah, I think my kids are a little, like Tony is a little old for it. But um, Libby's super intrigued. So I think it's great for younger kids. Ratings? Four. Nice. I'm going to go four and a half. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. And thank you again to Nikki Lopez for sharing her time with us. It was great fun to talk with her. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even, yes, on Gmail at myscreentime 2 Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Or, you know, congratulations on 100 episodes. We'll take those, too. (laughs) Our theme music was composed and performed, as always, by Deborah and her adorable children. And our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Bye.